TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar Written and read by T.L. Dawnstar Book 1.0 The Universe Cone when mortal hands caress the cone, mortal lips speak truth, and truth alone. Ancient Elthinic Proverb Author's Note To the Reader Dearest Reader, Due to an error on the part of TNT Publishing, and to a much lesser extent myself, parts of the original manuscript of this work were mistakenly sold as ballast to a shipping company in Zimbabwe. On behalf of the publishers, who have yet to issue an official written apology to me, I, T.L. Dawnstar, hereby hold up my hands, casually shrug my shoulders and say, hey, yeah, I goofed it up. Regardless, here's hoping you enjoy this, the first in the 26-part saga of the Carl Dark Cruiser Adventure Quests. T.L. Dawnstar, Runcorn, August 1991. Author's note, to T&T Publishing. Get f***ed. You're legally obliged to print it, Michelle. T.L. Dawnstar, Runcorn, August 1991. Part 1. Starts and Beginnings. Chapter 1. A Sticky Spaceport. Carl Dark Cruiser stepped off the aging and rusted Class 14 transport and landed a boot onto the sticky space pad. He hated travelling by transport, but since the Galactic Council, in their infinite wisdom, had decided to construct gravity tubes and walkways in the centre of the system, he didn't have much choice. That, combined with the new travel tax on ships constructed before space year 1997, had made private travel through the inner rim all but unaffordable to anyone earning less than approximately 147 cubits per cycle. Carl was a rough, tough and ready-to-rumble bounty hunter and space pirate, but his gruff exterior and at times quite bitchy manner betrayed a heart of gold beating passionately in his cybernetically enhanced chest. Unfortunately for Carl, this heart of gold was a simple metaphor designed to quickly convey a sense of character and in no way added to his meagre funds offering no assistance in regards to the Galactic Council's frankly ridiculous decision to punish classic ship owners like himself. He adjusted his military-grade tactical gilet, made damn sure his phase blaster was well within quick-draw range, and lit up a synth-sig as he walked directly under a hollow-projected no-smoking display. The hustle and bustle of the spaceport hustled and bustled around him as he cut a sway through the desperate masses of humans, aliens, and general low-life scumbags that hung around on Spaceport 6's slimy lower decks. Jets of stinking steam sprung from aging vents, and empty packets of bootleg protein paste swirled around his feet, whipped up into small frenzied tornadoes by the plasma exhausts of departing transport ships. What a shithole. His normal human legs and cyber toes pounded the metallic surface of the Spaceport's main concourse, past rows of shops selling Tolivian psych spinners and gelatinous grav boots from Frugon 4, as well as the usual tourist tat you got in this part of the system. <laughs> he thought to himself in his brain, if I ever feel the need to purchase a hollow pipe with 
Spaceport 6, the system's fourth best mid-sized spaceport, 1992-1993, as voted for by the readers of Spaceport Galactic Travel Center's biannual newsletter and magazine showcase, badly written across it. I'll pull out my face blaster and shoot myself in the kneecaps. Pleased with this thought and the gruesome image that it conjured, he let out a sly smile from his heavily stubbled lips. His creepy grin frightened a small child as Carl approached the diner he'd been walking to while he was thinking about spaceport merchandise and kneecapping just moments earlier. Through a haze of misty rain, Carl saw the flickering red neon sign that he knew so well. 94BN's Human Sustenance Dispensary was the best damn diner and bar on Spaceport 6. As he approached the entrance, Carl threw out his tanned arms and leathery hands in an attempt to swing open the saloon-style doors. But, to his mild annoyance, the doors opened automatically. He liked to think of himself as the modern-day equivalent to the Old West gunslingers of ancient Earth, but the subsequent centuries of advancements in door-opening technology left few opportunities for a dramatic piano-silencing entrance. The lumbering metal facade of 94BN greeted Carl as he walked, practically unnoticed, up to the bar. Greetings, human designated the ancient robot spluttered out through its severely outdated voice processing unit. Hello, yo bucket of bolts. Give me the usual, replied the space pirate. Coming right up, said the knackered robot, who then proceeded to vibrate violently and emit a piercing screeching noise while his speakers belted out a horribly compressed version of the theme tune to a popular vidnet soap opera. Carl knew his drink would take approximately five to seven starmins to process, so he sauntered over to the Duke box. He scanned through the various audio files available, file after file of Galaxian acid grunge, Trilexian jazz scram, and the hardcore jug-warbling sounds of Gary Cosmos. He hated modern music. Back in his predictably rebellious teenage years on the planet Brazil, he was big into the classic milk rock scene, and idolized bands such as Milky Mark and the Dairy Bunch, Beyond the Pale, and swollen areolas and the shudders in the udders. But there was fat chance of quality artists like that making it this deep into council-controlled space. So instead he opted for the super old-timey piano track Western Space Dramatic Brackets Loop by algorithm 0023 underscore x4 and strode back over to the bar. The tinny piano music played out in the small dingy saloon, compounding the already quite heavy-handed Wild West atmosphere. 9-4BN's screeching came to a crescendo, shattering several glasses around the bar. The disheveled droid who was wearing a waistcoat and a non-functioning pocket watch ejected the non-alcoholic slithery nipple that served as Carl's tipple of choice from his rusty chest compartment. Cheers, mate, said Carl cheerily as he put his heavily stubbled lips around the chipped Spaceport 6 mug that held the sweet, sweet beige liquid. As the mug made its return journey to the filthy bar following a successful first sip, the music shut off, and the chatter of the bar's diverse multi-species patrons quickly faded into a heavily pregnant silence. A large man-shaped shadow fell across Carl's field of view, and with his excellent peripheral vision, he caught a glimpse of the large man-shaped man casting the aforementioned shadow. From behind him, Carl Darkcruiser heard a deep, gruff, and thickly accented voice shake his bones. Everyone in this godforsaken universe has got a face blaster bolt with their name on it. I never was much for philosophy, compadre. 
I'm just here for a quiet drink, you dig? You're a dead man, Carl Duck Cruiser. Tell that to my heart, brain, liver, lungs, and other major organs, snapped the sarcastic space pirate. You never were much good at comebacks, were you, Duck Cruiser? He swirled around clumsily on the creaking bar stool, with a wide lopsided grin stretched across his roguishly handsome face. To greet his old friend and one-time lover, though neither of them really liked to talk about it, Dank Starhole. Ha <laughs> ha! How the devils are you, you miserable bastard? Shouted Dank, a bit too loudly, Carl thought. Still better looking than you, you bald, ugly c**t, said Carl, who instantly regretted his use of such strong language. He might be a rough, ready, no-nonsense, hard as the underside of a horny moon-lizard space pirate, but Dank was his oldest and best friend, and that was a bit full-on. Starhall didn't seem phased at all by the unnecessary cursing, and the pair embraced, repeatedly slapping each other on the back so that the other one knew that it was a gruff man-hug and definitely not a prelude to a repeat performance of what happened all those cycles ago. Drink dank, the usual. Carl nodded and turned to the robot barman. Water, straight up. Ten and a bit star mins later, after 9.4bn had finished juddering and screeching to produce the water, the pair sat in a small booth in a brightly lit corner of the bar. Dank had insisted they speak somewhere more private, but their usual spot of the hollowed-out plastic space shuttle towards the rear of the room had been occupied by a Zarkish hen party, their tentacles adorned with crudely manufactured facsimiles of barbed Zarkish phalluses, their sonic glands flapping excitedly as they opened the traditional Zarkish pre-wedding gifts of salted flurkel udders and weeping human babies. Carl and Dank knew better than to get involved in any of that nonsense, and their favourite backup spot of the slightly darker booth next to the automatic noodle dispenser was occupied by a mysterious red-haired human female, with large but elegantly feminine hands, slowly sipping on a spiced cocktail and furiously scribbling on an old-fashioned synth paper pad. The bright hollow lamps bathed the two men in extremely unflattering light and as Dank swivelled his head around nervously checking for eavesdroppers, the brilliant glow bounced and refracted off his shiny chrome skullplate. The glowing white hotness of the reflected light reminded Carl of the burning brilliance of that dying star in the far reaches of the treacherous Vellum Cluster. The star where, all those cycles ago, he and Dank had found solace in each other's strong, manly, tattooed arms in the deep, cold, dark depths of deep space. The pair rarely spoke of their formative encounter, but it was fair to say it was a character-defining moment for both of them, and would heavily charge their subsequent interactions. Carl shook off the steamy memory like a dog, drained the slippery nipple, and looked dank dead in the eye. So, asked Carl, you gonna tell me why you've dragged me all the way back to this dump? Starhole swiveled his one good eye about the room, leaned in closer to Carl, and said, I need your help. Look, Dank, I'm out of the game, you dig? I had heard Carl Darkcruiser hung up his boots and blaster, but I didn't buy it for a nanosecond. I suppose that shipment of bootleg milk rock lars disc smuddled itself into lactoprine, did it? Carl shifted awkwardly in his faux leather seat. He'd been rumbled, and he knew it. And Dank knew that he knew it. I need to get my hands on something. Something powerful. Starhole continued. Well, 9.4bm can wait you up a goddamn potent relkish whiskey soup if that's what you're after, quipped Carl. Not his finest work, he thought. I'm serious, darling. This is one hells of a job. The toughest one yet. Darling. He hadn't called him that in a long time. 
and Carl knew that if Starhole was breaking out that particular pet name, it meant that, much like the 18-meter-tall participants of Humongous 16's annual barista championship, something big was brewing. Dank gave a final survey of the grim speakeasy, before leaning in even closer to Carl. Have you ever heard of the universe, Coon? Carl snorted. <laughs> You've been spending too much time on the net, old buddy. Coon's a fairy tale. Oh no, that's real, Carl. As real as the real deep shutterman over this mess. Nice turn of phrase, said Carl. Thanks. Dank seemed genuinely pleased. Here's a skinny. I promise to deliver it to some very high up people. Eyes and ears everywhere, people. Friends on the Galactic Council sort of people. You catch my drift? Only you ain't got the goods, am I right? You're right. What the hells were you thinking taking on a job like that in the first place? Chasing some bullshit all-powerful alien artifact. It ain't bullshit, Dark Cruiser. They're after me. Dank slammed his hands down on the highly polished plastic table, threatening to dislodge the novelty straw from his now tepid tiki mug of recycled water. Mercifully, the straw held firm, but Dank looked up and realized the mysterious red-haired woman had fixed her piercing blue eyes smack bang in the middle of his furrowed face. She quickly looked away and resumed her scribbling. We've got to get out of here, they know, proffered the panicked pirate. Dank, you're being crazy, there's no one- Crash! Carl was cut off by a loud crash, as the automatic doors of the bar were blown apart, and several large creatures burst through the automatic doors, which had been blown apart just nanoseconds earlier. Starhole and Dark Cruiser dropped to the floor instinctively, kicked the plastic table over to create a frankly useless piece of makeshift cover, and drew their phase blasters. They shot each other a look, and they knew exactly what to do. There was the kind of non-verbal communication that can only exist between two men who have known the intimate touch of one another and spent a single magical zero-gravity night deep in the heart of a burning star. Also, they used to do this sort of thing quite a lot and had worked out codes and hand signals and stuff ages ago. Boo-blam! A shot from a heavy-caliber T-87 plasgun echoed through the bar. Carl lifted his head above the edge of the table and saw the burning carcass of 9-4-BM fly back in a hail of sparks and half-prepared drinks and land with a metallic thud on the sticky floor. Carl perched himself on his cyber toes and readied himself for the fight. He turned to Starhole and mouthed, Are these the guys that are after you? What? Mouthed Dank in reply. Are these the guys that are after you? Mouthed Carl extremely dramatically, hurting his jaw and stretching his heavily stumbled lips. Dank pointed frantically at his ear, shook his head and comically shrugged his shoulders. For fuck's sake, said Carl out loud. Are these the guys that are after you? Oh, said Dank with a look of recognition. Aye, probably. For a man who fought in the Great Fruit Wars of 2001, he can be about as much use as a Euraxian spice rack in a collapsing black hole. Carl used his brain to think to himself. The large creatures moved forward into the establishment, mercilessly gunning down any being in their path. Blood of all colors, from standard human red to the bioluminescent blue of the delegation of Manticorean suction cleaner salesmen painted the walls in a horrific abstract expressionist masterpiece. Carl glanced over to the Zarkish hen party in the hollowed-out space shuttle, who continued to flap and emit whoops of delight every few seconds, seemingly unaware of the bloodbath unfolding in the saloon. As one of the creatures lumbered towards the table in the booth that Carl and Dank were hiding under, Carl expertly removed a small metal ball from the pocket of his functional yet fashionable combat trousers. A pleasing shade of charcoal grey, Carl had purchased the leg garment from a bazaar on Nimrud 7 and had deftly haggled his way into an 8-cubit discount. 
He still regarded this transaction as one of the great personal achievements of his life to date, and reminded himself to tell Dank about it later if they ever got out of this crazy jam. He rolled the metal ball along the floor in the usual manner, and it came to a stop at the base of the bar stool by the bar, which is where the bar stools are usually placed. He flicked a switch on the tiny remote control device, and loud, thudding music emitted from the ball's surprisingly bass-heavy speakers. Drawn by the sound of the sick beats, the creature turned, bit his lip, and began rhythmically nodding his huge head back and forth. The beat had fully taken the creature, and he was now waving his arms in the air like he had little to no regard of the situation around him. Psychic trance emitter. Very nice, my dear, Dank said to Carl. Now's our chance to get out of here. Well, he's fully funked up. He got up to rush for the exit. Carl put a tender yet firm hand on his shoulder and pulled him back down to the increasingly sticky floor. A spark of electricity passed between them, and for the most fleeting of fleeting moments, the two locked eyes, and for an infinitesimally small zeptosecond within that fleeting moment, they were back in the vellum cluster. Together in the heart of that dying star, and all was right in the universe. But that spark was gone as quickly as it come. Cool it, man. That transfer will become unstable if it interacts with too many of those things, and we're seriously outgunned. We can't shoot our way out of this one like we did in the City of the Somethings. He looked back to the plastic space shuttle. The Zarkian Hendu, attracted by the pulsing beat of the transmitter, were beginning to walk dance their way to the main bar, slime trails following behind them. Got it, thought Dark Cruiser. Got it, said Dark Cruiser out loud. He reached into his handsome leather utility belt. A darkish blue, the belt had been acquired from Barry's belts and britches for big boys in the shopping center just off intergalactic A55. Carl grimaced when he remembered exiting Barry's belts and britches for big boys, where he'd paid what he thought was a reasonable three cubits and 49 fibs for it, only to be greeted by the exact same belt hanging in the window of Gareth's girdles for gargantuan go-getters at the cheaper price of two cubits and 20 fibs. He still regarded this transaction as one of the great personal failures of his life to date. He retrieved the item he was looking for, a long chrome black tube. He unscrewed the top and whispered, Activate subroutine, Tiny Tony. The contents of the tube shifted and began to vibrate as the biomechanical metallic sand contorted and mutated. The glinting dull silver grains raised up as if pulled by a powerful magnet and began to pile up into the crude forms of thousands of miniature nanobots. Dark Cruiser spread the coarse material across the now very sticky floor. There wasn't a moment to lose. The transmitter was beginning to wear off, and the creatures were now only moderately taken by the deadly groove. Within seconds, the tiny Tonys had engulfed the creatures, and what could only be described as a loud chomping sound rang through the corpse-strewn bar. The creatures flailed and thrashed in a failed attempt to pull them off. Then all hells broke loose. The Zarkish hen party, now fully detached from the space shuttle, looked up into the smoky bar, heard the pounding rhythms, and saw several fully naked male Zarkians, barbed phalluses exposed. Their armor had been eroded by the nanomachines unleashed by Carl's tube. The females lunged. The males dropped their weapons. Carl and Dank made a break for it by dodging the massive tentacles and covering their ears from the screeching and tearing sounds. As the pair burst out of the smoldering bar through the exploded door and ran into the heavy rain and thick mist of Spaceport 6 poorly climate-controlled lower decks, they looked back to see the transparent plasteel windows shatter in a hail of slick, pulsing tentacles. 
the old battle buddies ducked into an alley to avoid the sirens of the already approaching spaceport security. There goes the best goddamn bar on this whole goddamn spaceport. We should take the vents to avoid detection, said Dank, gesturing to the metal cover set into the floor of the alley. Give us a hand with us. Carl and Dank bent low to pry open the vent cover. You want to tell me what the hell's is going on? Carl spoke through gritted teeth as he heaved at the vent cover. Breathing deeply, Dank looked at Carl and opened his not-at-all-stubbled lips to speak. But no words passed between the two men, and the last thing that Dank Starhol ever heard was a high-pitched electronic whistle, followed by a small, flat pop. To be continued. The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. Carl Dark Cruiser was played by T.L. Dawnstar. Dankstar Hall was played by T.L. Dawnstar. 94BN was played by T.L. Dawnstar. Special thanks to no one. Next chapter, Long Dank Night of the Soul. Get in touch via electronic mail using the address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at tl underscore dawnstar.